You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gives you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to Yoga Magic, everyone. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. I'm so happy you're here. I'm a longtime yoga teacher, a self-care coach, and a mama bear. And I'm really, I know that there are so many podcasts out in the world, everybody. There's so many to listen to. So you tuning in today is amazing. Thank you so much for being here. I hope that I can provide you tons of value. Today's guest, Ava Johanna, is such a powerhouse and we're going to talk about so many different things. It's just, it's a total Aries moment conversation. <laughs> so as you know, it's Aries season right now. It's the first sign of the Zodiac. And it's just that, that big forward momentum start of the spring. And Aries really brings a lot of confidence, a lot of self-awareness. This is the sign of the self. And I really couldn't think of anyone better than Ava to talk about confidence and that that cultivation of confidence through specific specific self-care practices. So as you know, I've mentioned this before, but when, you know, when, when we prioritize our needs and we communicate to others, to the universe, to God, that our well-being is a priority, people see that. Others see that and they pick up on that and it's contagious. And you know, that's what we talk about today through the practice that Ava teaches, through the practices, embodiment, breath work, So Ava Johanna is the founder and visionary behind the Academy of Breath, an international breathwork and meditation school focused on making ancient embodiment practices just household tools across the globe. She's worked with top brands like Aloe, Mind Body Green, Yoga Journal, and she's really doing a great job of wedding the science to the woo, which I think is the ultimate combo. (laughs) In this episode, we talk about the struggles that she was faced in her childhood and really how it shaped her path today. We talked about the power of breath work and how to use it as a part of daily practice. So if you're someone who's never done it, but you're curious about it, today's a really great episode to check out. We talk about, you know, is it possible to get better, quote unquote, at breath work over time, kind of like meditation. We talk about where to start with breath work and where to grow. We talk about the intentional connection of spirituality and embodiment and how we can wed those two together. And then finally, we talk about her course, her breathwork and meditation certification, the Academy of Breath. So if you're somebody who wants to check out her certification, maybe you are already a yoga teacher or you're wanting to just add something to your toolbox, breathwork and meditation, be sure to check out the show notes for more information on that. And you can check out her podcast as well. It's called The Alchemized life. 
Before we get to our chat with Ava, a quick update on some fun events coming your way, everybody. The next Yoga Magic Gathering is on Wednesday, April 13th at 7 p.m. Central Time on Zoom. And we'll be talking about the elements in astrology and how those show up differently for each of us, you know, how we can balance and nurture the elements within our chart, how to work with them as we get closer to warmer weather, because it's hot girl summer pretty soon here, friends. And we're going to be able to use this to really keep grounded and feel nurtured in a lot of ways. And finally, finally, I put together a really fun new guide for you all. It's a self-care for Aries season checklist. So if you want to hop on our email list, even if you're already on there, you can get this. Um, If you'd like to become part of the community even more, you will get that for free. The link is in the show notes. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being a part of this community and tuning in each week. I'm really grateful for you. You know, I've been solo podcasting for two years now and meeting so many of you, hearing from you via DM, seeing your reviews. It's just the dream. It's, it's so fun. I'm a part-time mama and a part-time spiritual teacher, content creator. And I just, you know, this is the ultimate balance for me. And I truly hope that you feel the realness and the authenticity coming to your ears each week through these practices, through these teachers, um, and through me. Love you guys. This is awesome. Okay. Let's get to that conversation with the amazing Ava Johanna. All right. Welcome Ava. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this conversation for a long time. And I, I think what has really drawn me to your work recently, even more so I followed you for a long time, but now I'm just like, Oh, I need this in my life Mm -hmm. is your, is your confidence. And that's something I think we can all kind of use as we're (laughs) starting to like get back out into the Mm -hmm. real world. So to back it up, can you just tell listeners a little bit about who you are and the work that you do? Mm, yes, absolutely. I'm glad that, that the confidence piece is what's really stood out to you because I definitely feel like that's been the biggest journey for me as it is for so many individuals, right? Um, so backing all the way up to, I'll say my teenage years, um, just to give people context, I grew up in Northern LA County and Agora, like Westlake, Calabasas area, which if anyone's ever watched Bravo or HGTV, not HGTV, whatever, whatever the Kardashians are on, not HGTV. <laughs> is it E or is it Bravo? It's, is it it's e? e. I think okay. it might be E. Yeah. I don't, I don't watch it either. I just know that that's where they live or lived. And, um, so that gives you an idea. It was a pretty affluent area and growing up before, um, my mom and my stepdad had separated, we did, we were pretty well off. We were like upper middle class. I had all of my needs met. And, um, then around the age of 15, 16, my mom decided to leave my stepdad, which for me was something that I really celebrated within her because it was the moment that she decided to stop letting someone walk all over her, walk all over me and really be so like mentally and emotionally abusive. Um, what we didn't expect to happen though, was that my mom wouldn't be able to financially support us. And within a short amount of time, my mom, my little sister and I were evicted from our house. Um, her car was repossessed. We were couch surfing and staying at neighbors' houses and friends' houses and with family members for about a year altogether. And I very quickly went from, you know, having all of my needs met to not knowing where I would be sleeping that night or not having money to be able to, you know, hang out with my friends or do any of the things that 
uh, you know, typical teenager, at least in the area that I grew up would have the access to do. And so my life definitely did a 180 at that time. And I'm very grateful that there was the dichotomy of like my poverty and then so much wealth around me because it showed me that there were other ways where I know that in many instances, people grow up in areas where they're only shown one way and that they have the fast track to continuing to perpetuate um, either being marginalized or lacking resources or being put in systems. And so I'm very grateful that you know, I had friends that had families that had a lot of wealth and a lot of money and a lot of success. And so I knew that there were other options for me and that if I worked hard enough, I could get out of the situation that we had been put in and that I could take care of myself and take care of my mom. And so I really, um, just like lit a fire under myself to never be in that situation again. I actually, um, halfway through my soft, sophomore year, dropped out of traditional high school when independent study and didn't go back into finishing high school until like the second half of my senior year, because I just wanted to work and save up money and be able to help out whatever I could with my family. And so that was really like, I guess the beginning of my not necessarily entrepreneurship, but my work ethic. And um, once I graduated high school, I moved down to San Diego, um, started going to school down there, working full time and ended up landing a job at this clothing, this startup apparel company in San Diego and learning how to do social media and marketing and just really was a jack of all trades in the digital space and used that job to land me a job at this other bigger marketing and tech startup. And uh, within the span of a couple of years, had gained so many skills in the digital marketing space and was so like bored with the businesses that I was working in that I finally was like, well, why don't I just take this and start doing this for myself? Why don't I start thinking about the things that I'm passionate about that I love and create a business around it. And at that same time, I was really suffering from burnout. Um, and a friend dragged me to a yoga class and it was really the first time that I felt my body, like I felt embodied. And I mean, I say this whenever I tell this story, but it was, it was the moment that I was like, wow, I want to make people feel as good as I feel right now. And that was really the beginning of my journey into the wellness space. And so I kind of took this passion that I had for wellness and mindfulness and yoga and breath and meditation and my background and expertise in marketing and business and over the past six years really have never looked back and have built this really beautiful and supportive um, business for myself, but also community that spans across six continents now um, through the Academy of Breath and my coaching containers. And um, it really all started from this recognition that I had skills that could be applied towards things that I loved and a courageousness to put myself out there and walk a path that I hadn't really seen anyone else walk because I was in, you know, traditional corporate environments for my early twenties. And I really didn't see anybody 
any entrepreneurs doing anything or doing what I wanted to do. And so I really just took that as a road or path less traveled. And, um, and here we are today. It's so inspiring to hear it start to finish, right. Of, of, you know, you kind of had this vision even from, you know, very such a young age in high school, which so many of us to think about the fact that we need to like make a career decision at that those early stages is just very scary, but even just that like drive and something I'm curious about, and I didn't necessarily include these in the, the questions, but I'm kind of that like early parentification that you had to take on like that, that role reversal. And I, that's something I've experienced in my life too. Do you think that's shaped you in any way, good shadow or both? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest thing is like my relationship with my mom to this day, like she, she's my mom always, always, always. Mm -hmm. And she's more my best friend. Mm -hmm. She's my mom and she's my best friend. And so I think that in a way, you know, as she's probably going to hate that I say this, but there is this one time where I caught her smoking weed on the side of the house when I was like (laughs) a freshman or sophomore. And I look at her and I go, you can never tell me what to do again. And I was like, so that is my Scorpio, Leo, Aries, (laughs) big three, four. Oh man. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, And I just have always been, and I'm a projector too. So I'm like, I've always been like a leader. I've always been the one, like the, the, the black sheep, the wolf, like I've always been, um, marching to the beat of my own drum. And I think that the experience that we went through as a family, um, I think it just forced me into growing up faster Mm -hmm. and created, and I love my mom so much, but it created definitely some healing around like feeling kind of robbed of a childhood, robbed of like the innocence of being a teenager and a little bit, I think what I've unpacked with my therapist and with mentors and coaches is that there was like underlying feelings of betrayal there that I really had to work through in my, in my twenties to create forgiveness and, and understand that, you know, she was just doing the best that she could, but it definitely did. Like, I would say level the playing field a little bit as far as like, feeling more of like an equal with her than Mm -hmm. the like, Oh, this is my mother type of relationship. Whereas like with my dad, I I don't feel like my, I have like a level playing field with him. I still have like deep, like I want to make my dad proud and I want to make my mom proud of course as well too. But it's interesting to have like the completely different types of relationships with my dad and with my mom. Mm. And also too, I mean, we pick our parents for these lessons, right? And they, and it's a intertwined relationship. So that's, that's a helpful journey to hear that like, yeah, there's some healing to be done. And I think it does, it helps us these experiences. Clearly it did. You know, I'd love to know, we're going to talk about breathwork a lot today. I, I love breathwork. I do it. Like but I also don't feel like I'm really like grasping or even like on the surface, the power that mm. is <laughs> real breath work and, and that, you know, just the healing properties, the energizing properties. What is it that stood out to you about breath work and all, you know, you said you started with yoga and the spiritual journey that you were on now that you are teaching others 
to teach breath work? What was it that stood out for you about breath work? So, you know, I think the the first experience that I had with breath work, I had been somebody from like 16 on, like I was the 16 year old at electric Daisy carnival, like with my friends <laughs> raving, like we, we partied, I partied and that was escape, right? It was escape mm-hmm. from what had been happening in my life and in my family. Um, and so as a young 20 something, um, partaking in different, like party drugs and psychedelics. I found breathwork. I was invited to a breathwork, um, workshop and it was a psychedelic experience for me. I was like, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that without ingesting anything, but just using the power of my own breath, I can expand my mind and my consciousness and bring in these feelings of elation and like pure bliss from the breath alone. And it was such a wild experience for me and such a similar like peak sensory, like bodily experience that I needed to understand more about. I needed to know how I was able to do this. I wanted to be able to create these healthy experiences versus taking ecstasy or mushrooms. Um, I, I take that back about the mushrooms taking ecstasy or like acid. And, and, um, it really was that almost psychedelic out of body experience that I received from breath work that pulled me in. And, you know, a lot of the styles that I teach aren't arousing practices like that. I teach a lot of calming practices as well too. And so, you know, there's many different styles of breath work, but that was really my first experience that had me start to pay attention to like, Oh, there's, there's something here. There's something Mm -hmm. interesting happening here. That's changing the way that I look at the world. It's changing my relationship to this present moment. It's changing how I'm thinking. And and I want to learn more about this. So now you said you you don't necessarily utilize or um, teach the more arousing practices, but probably more of those like parasympathetic practices. Like, can you give some specifics into your practices around it? Like, what do you use it for? When do you do it? Any specifics? Yeah, absolutely. So I do teach arousing practices. I do teach practices similar. I don't teach the, the experience that I had was with, um, three-part breath. I don't teach three-part breath. Um, but there are again, many different styles of breath work and different pranayama techniques that can create those same effects. Um, so, you know, we have balancing practices that are going to create more balance in your nervous system. There's calming practices that are going to activate the parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. And really that sends serotonin and dopamine throughout the body. It really helps the body get back to performing its normal functions outside of a fight or flight state. And then there's hyper arousing practices. And that's really like the Wim Hof's, the transcendental, um, practices, the, um, holotropic practices, circular breath, um, practices that I teach like Bastrika or Morcha. And these practices are really meant to bring you into that hyper aroused state. Um, so 
the practices that I teach all stem from the Hatha yoga tradition. And, um, these I like to refer to as like the grandmother, grandfather breathwork practices, because all other breathwork practices have really been influenced or inspired or, or molded or shaped from these original breathwork practices. Um, there's nine techniques altogether. And again, they range from being more calming, more energizing, more mind expanding, or more like safety activating in your body. And, the way that I use the breath is in the same way that I would use medicine. It really depends mm-hmm. on where you're at, what you need. How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? How is your body reacting or responding to a certain event that's happened? And how can we use these different practices to help support you in feeling as best as possible within that moment? So, you know, as an example, if I'm on my, on my period, if I'm just starting my period, I'm going to do some really calming breathwork practices that are nourishing my body versus a practice that's going to create more tension in my body. That's going to have me clenching and a little bit more alert and a little anxious. Um, if I'm feeling tired and lethargic and have somewhere that I need to be and or have a call that I want to show up and give 110% on, I'm going to do a more arousing practice. That's going to bring more energy into my body. And so I recommend working with the breath every single day throughout the day. Um, but the practice is going to look different every time because we are dynamic beings and we need different practices for different experiences and, and depending on our emotional state or our physical state. Mm-hmm. Is it something like meditation where it kind of builds on itself over time or like the more and more that you do meditation, like quote unquote, the better you get, but, but more just really the more benefits are to sink in. Or is this something that like you kind of said, it's day to day, you can be dynamic, like you can drop in and use it in a medicinal sense, or, or is it maybe both? I think it's both, you know, the thing about both breathwork and meditation, yes, you absolutely do quote unquote, get better over time on a physiological level. Your lungs are going to get stronger and stronger mm-hmm. and stronger the more that you do it when it comes to breathwork. Um, and then we also, again, have to remember that not every day is going to look the same. The journey of being human is not like a linear upward trajectory. It's like a spiral. Right. And so when it comes to even meditation, I've been meditating for years, years and years and years, and I still have days where I cannot drop in at all. (laughs) And that doesn't mean that I'm bad at meditating. It doesn't mean that anyone's bad at meditating. It's just that the body is actually doing its job at releasing the stress that we've accumulated. And I think that sometimes um, we think that a meditation is only good if we've had this really deep like profound experience, but the meditations that are the most shallow sometimes are the ones that are actually doing the most work because it's helping rid the body of stress that you've been storing within your cells. Um, so I always like to preface that because I think that sometimes we do think that like, Oh, I've been meditating every day for three months. Why did I have this terrible meditation today? Or I feel like this week's been really hard. And you know, that simply is just not the case as far Mm -hmm. as like being bad or good at meditating. I I say that there's no bad or good meditations. Um, my, my meditation teacher actually taught me this. There's only gratifying or ungratifying experiences. And I think that that kind of helps to shift the, uh, relationship that we have to the individual experiences. Mm, Yeah, that's super true. I'm, I'm studying 
Jupiter at the moment and just like how it kind of works as the benefic as the you know brings bringer of good things. But there, I just heard this quote that, you know, if we look forward to the gifts that Jupiter is going to bring us, and I think about this with like meditation and, mm-hmm. and breath work, we look forward to that, great, right? But if we expect it, we're not, it's not, it doesn't work like that. We're not going yeah. to get something in a way that, you know, oh, I, I need, I need this outcome, right? It's not, it's not that linear. If someone were super new, brand new, and they wanted to start, and I think that's a lot of the people that listen to the show is like, I kind of want to try this out. I don't really know where to start. Where would you suggest to start? Yeah. So I think the first place that I always start with my clients is just reteaching them how to breathe because majority of people are breathing incorrectly or not using the entire capacity of their lungs. And so even if anyone's just listening right now to like, notice whereabouts in your torso you're breathing. You might feel yourself only breathing up in the chest. Yeah. Or you might feel the breath moving through the belly all the way up into the chest. It feels like really long and slow. That's our natural breath. So if you inhale, you want to imagine your breath, like ballooning your belly open and then your breath moving all the way up into your chest. So it's a longer breath. You're using the entire capacity of your lungs. Um, What this is going to do is wake up the three lobes of your lungs. So you're not just using a third of your lungs, but using the entirety of your lungs. It's also going to help you to start bringing your diaphragm into the, into the process as well. And one of the really cool things about the bottom area of our lungs is that we have all these nerve endings that connect to our vagus nerve. Our vagus nerve is like our break in our stress response. And so when we activate our vagus nerve, we actually become better at responding to stress. And so the simplest of, of habits that you can develop is learning how to breathe into your belly, your rib cage, and your chest. And that being your natural breath in your natural breath out. Most people are only breathing in their chest. Mm -hmm. And so this is a really, really easy way to start just bringing more intentionality into the way that you breathe. And that alone will create massive shifts for you. Um, I think sometimes we like to skip ahead to the really fancy breathwork practices, (laughs) but those will do more harm than good if you're not breathing correctly. Okay. That's so helpful. I I went to school for music. So I was a singer, vocalist. And then I remember like, early on learning, Oh, this is like, I'm not really breathing at all. And it was, yeah, it was so eye-opening. Even now I catch myself, you know, when you get stressed, you're kind of like, like there's such, such shallow breaths. And when you yeah. slow it down, like you're saying, there's such a deliberate difference. That's, that's a really helpful tip. I love that. So outside of breath work, you know, I'd love to really get your take on you talk a lot about embodiment. I'm thinking about how you're so good at speaking to spiritual practices and like that, that world of, you know, believing in something a lot bigger than us and still being like in the body, like still being here on this earth, right? It's this combination of like spirituality and I'm a human. And I feel like you're one of the best people at this. Does that something that like you intentionally think about, you speak both languages or, you know, have you done any shadow work or any sort of like study in this area? <laughs> I have done so much. Shadow okay, work. good. I'm like, am I just pulling this? Out uh, of no, 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 no. I'm a Scorpio. Okay. Um, so the shadow is my friend, um, as much as I try to fight against it. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. You know, I always have kind of viewed myself as a bridge between the esoteric and the, um, and, and like the physical realm. And I think that it just comes back to my own style of understanding and integration. Um, you know, I want so badly to be the girl that's just like, oh yeah, like that really esoteric idea. Okay. I got it. I believe it. But like, I am a little bit of like, let me see the science, like totally. show me the car facts. Let's do this. <laughs> the car facts. Yeah. Um, and so, and that's really the inspiration behind, um, the Academy of breath as well too, is blending science and spirituality, because I do understand that a lot of people don't necessarily completely let themselves go all in on spirit, spiritual or philosophical concepts and need a little bit more of that 3d approach to get fully on board. And mm-hmm. so I, I think that it's been something that's come really naturally to me because that's how I best learn. And I also just understand that most people are not going to be super receptive to just like, oh yeah, if you breathe, it's going to extend your life force. Like, what does that really mean? Let's break it down. Let's look at like, let's look at like how that actually plays out. And for me, it just deepens my confidence Mm -hmm. in what I'm teaching and what I'm sharing when I have that like really rooted, um, just rooted knowledge behind the things that I'm sharing, whether it's rooted in research that I've taken the time to dive into, or it's rooted in my own lived experience. That you, you said it, you, you know, the confidence, I, I think this is, you know, people talk about imposter syndrome. It's like, well, if you're really, if you're doing the research and you're, you're discovering it from a real authentic place, yes, imposter syndrome is still there, but you're, you're sharing something that you truly, truly believe in. Right. And, and I think that's, that's so true. So when you, you know, as you are growing as, you know, a content creator, as a teacher, as a spiritual voice, how do you, you stay confident? Is it that continued research? Is it trying new things? Is it resiliency through challenges? Like what, if there's been any like major lesson that you're like, man, I love this entrepreneurial journey. Mm. What are those? I mean, I think that there's, there's a balance with like the research stuff. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that some people can get, I was having a conversation with somebody about this the other day. Some people can get caught up in like, I need to have so many certifications in order to be confident. And I think seeking out information from a place of pure excitement and, and eagerness to learn more is a healthy approach. But when we start taking our personal power outside of ourselves and putting it in another certification, or once we have X, Y, Z information, then I will feel this way. Um, it really is just like keeping an arm's length between us and like how we'd actually desire to feel. And so for me, you know, going back to this word embodiment, embodiment has always been the way that I've felt confident and that I've known, you know, I I'm not an imposter. So I don't teach on things that I don't feel confident around. Mm -hmm. I don't teach on things that I don't live. I don't teach things that I haven't experienced. And there were times in the beginning when I did, when I would like pick something up and I'd be like, okay, this is interesting. This is cool. Let me teach on it, but I wouldn't be fully embodied. It wouldn't be fully integrated. And I experienced a lot of imposter syndrome back then. Mm -hmm. And so I made the decision, you know what, I'm only going to teach and share on the things that I do. 
I'm only going to teach and share on the things that I've lived. And the thing is, when you do that, you're a walking testimonial, you're leading by example. And so how could you not be confident about the things that you fully embody? It's, it's for me, it's next to impossible to, and not just because you're talking yourself into it or out of it within your head. It's because, you know, within the depth of your bones, that the things that you are sharing work because you're working at yourself and you're seeing in your own life in real time, how it's impacting you. And so that has been the greatest lesson that I've learned as far as confidence goes is I I'm confident about this thing. I, because I know it works because I've been doing it and I've been seeing how it's been impacting my own life. And so for anybody that struggles, especially if you're an entrepreneur in the coaching space or in a teaching space, if you struggle with imposter syndrome, my invitation would be to lean deeper into your work and to really treat yourself as your first and most important client and go all in on the things that you want to teach so that you yourself can see the impact that they have on your own life and then lead from that space. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing. And then the second thing is just remembering that the work that you're here to teach and that you're here to share is bigger than you. Mm-hmm. You know, there's like, I forgot what it's, what it's called. It's like the cosmic, like cosmic insignificance or something like that, where it's just remembering that like, we are but a speck of stardust in this vast, vast universe. And so while we may be the center of our own universe, we are here for a blip in time mm-hmm. and, and our existence is quite meaningless in the, in the grand scheme of this entire universe. And sometimes I'm like, well, Hey, but then it's also like, <laughs> well, why not? Then if it's, if it's such a blip in this entire thing, why not just do the things that I want to do? It's mm-hmm. so much in the, the, my, the impact that I could make the ripple effect that could come of me sharing what I love and helping people heal. That is so much bigger than me getting caught up and staying in my own head and being in fear and not doing anything at all. It's that chasing, chasing the joy and, and in not living in fear. I mean, I think that's something that right now I'm really working through, but it's yeah, it, it's insignificant in the ever expanding universe. And you know what? It's okay if I do this because I enjoy it. <laughs> That's yeah. really great. Yeah. You, I want to get back to embodiment just for a second. As far as like, we talk a lot about self care specific practices on this show. Other practices, you know, we've talked breath work a little bit, we've talked about yoga. What to give people a better understanding of what it feels to feel like, you know, to be in their body? Mm-hmm. What? Can you describe some other types of practices or even just um, healing journeys that you have experienced that really speak to embodiment? Yeah. So I think the first thing that comes up is learning how to play with pleasure, which can be a triggering and traumatic experience for a lot of people. Um, you know, sexual trauma is something that's very common. And so I would certainly recommend people seek support if they don't feel ready or capable of doing this on their own, but learning how to like bring pleasure into your body. And it could be something as simple as like getting a like really beautiful fragrant oil, like body oil and learning how to just like do Mm self-massage and focusing on the sensations in your body and what feels good and listening to your body when your body says, Ooh, stay here for a moment. Like just rub my forearm a little bit more. Like, yeah, that feels really good to rub the shoulders or rub my breasts and, and really playing with like self-touch 
I think is a really powerful way to move into your body because you're using your sense of touch to do so. Um, and in that practice, being very aware of what your body is speaking to you in that moment, Mm -hmm. right? So being aware of, you know, as an example, um, with self-pleasure, it's like being aware of when my body is saying like, yes, you can go further. No, I'm not ready to open up. I'm not ready to go any further. Um, dancing as well and moving your body with music is another great way. So I'll put songs on that I love and I'll just sit on the floor. I'll stand and close my eyes and I'll ask my body, like, how do you want to move right now? And without overthinking it, just move my body in whatever way. And usually I do this behind closed doors when I'm just by myself. So I know that I don't have to worry about someone else judging me or thinking that my, the, whatever moves I'm doing look weird or wild. Um, but those are two practices, personal practices that have made a really big difference in me just connecting to my body more. I think the biggest thing in all of them though, is presence, right? Mm -hmm. Really like turning your phone off or putting it in the other room or just putting it away from you. If you're using it to play music or something, um, and being like creating a container where you can be fully present. You can even schedule out 30 minutes on your calendar and say, this is going to be my time to be in my body and to not get distracted and to just let myself feel my body in this moment and notice like, what is my heart doing? Is my stomach growling? Am I hungry? Do do my shoulders feel tight? And really just like scanning your body and seeing how your body feels. And the more that you do that, the greater relationship you're going to have with your physical body. Mm, yeah. Everyone take note. These are like the best, like the lunar nodes are in Scorpio and Taurus. And I feel like these right here are like what we are going to be doing mm. for the next 18 months or so. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that's so good. <laughs> I love those. And I, you know what? I, I love, I love talking about self-pleasure in that sense of just like being, like you said, really aware dancing can be a form of major self-pleasure. Like mm-hmm. all of these are just, yeah, really like simple, but also pretty profound because we don't take much time to do them to Mm -hmm. to slow down. Okay. So I want to talk about before you go a little bit more, the Academy of breath, which you just opened enrollment for, Mm -hmm. and you've done this a a while now. I mean, this is something that I feel like you've iterated and now it's like, I don't know, it seems really perfect. Perfect is the word. Always getting better. We add new stuff every time. Um, but yeah, this is going to be our sixth cohort. We've been doing it since June of 2022. So we're in our third year, um, which is so, so wild and special to me. Like I'm blown away at what the Academy of Breath has turned into. And it's a 12 week breathwork and meditation certification program. Um, when we first started, it was six weeks and we've iterated, like you said, we've iterated, we've added more things. Um, we've created more modules and really have deepened the curriculum inside over, over the past three years. And it's been an incredible experience. We've served over 315 students through the past three years and becoming breathwork and meditation teachers. And, um, you know, I created it back in 2020 because I had done several breathwork trainings, meditation trainings, yoga trainings, um, coaching trainings, just so many different trainings. And I felt like each of them was missing like little pieces or like one would be really good at like speaking to the spiritual side of things. One would be really good at speaking to the science side of things. None of them had any information on how to like take everything and like build a business out of it. So I was like, all right, 
let's like bring in these three pillars of the science, the spirit, the business side of things, like how to hold space, like all of the different aspects that really create a powerful space holder, a powerful practitioner. Um, and that's what we did inside of the Academy of Breath. So it definitely is my baby. I love it so much. Um, it's, it's a life-changing program. It's life-changing work to really devote yourself to these practices and to be able to offer it inside of your work as well, too. So would it be specifically for people that want to teach it or could you take it just to learn more about breath as well? Yeah. So you could absolutely take it to learn more. We also have a six module course called breath work. That's more for personal practice. Okay. That's a lower investment. Um, so, you know, the 12 week certification, it's a certification program. And so we're going super, super deep into, um, every aspect of these different practices. There's eight different breathwork techniques, three different meditation techniques. There's modules on building a business. There's 15 hours of bonus masterclasses. Um, there's small group mentors. So it's, it's in depth. Um, the breathwork six module course is really meant to expose you to breathwork, to teach okay. you how to use it, to expand your creativity, to, um, work through stress, to develop your intuition, to create energy in your body, to create safety in your body. And so that course is really meant to be the beginning stage of learning breathwork and meditation. Okay. That's yeah. Perfect. We'll link both of those up in case anyone wants to check them out. Well, best of luck on this enrollment. I'm so excited to hear hopefully some little yoga magic listeners make their way over yeah. to you and learn more. There's a lot of yoga teachers that listen to this show. So awesome. Yes. We have lots of yoga teachers. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like you said, is, is we talk about breath work in, in teacher trainings, but I don't feel like in that therapeutic sense, like there, yeah. it really can be. Um, so I love that you're doing that. Yeah. It definitely scratches the surface in, in yoga teacher trainings, but it mm -hmm. doesn't go as deep as, as, as you can go with it. And I mean, just looking at it, cause I was a yoga teacher before I taught breathwork and meditation for a couple months, at least. Um, I pretty quickly was like, no, 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 I need to like bring this in. And my classes were so different from the other classes that I went and took like other vinyasa classes, other Hatha classes. Um, cause not as many yoga teachers know how to properly teach breath and meditation. Okay. And so I think for yoga teachers, it's super powerful to stand out and to offer your students more. Mm -hmm. Before you go, any self-care practices, anything that you're doing right now that you're just like, mm, yes, I'm loving this breath work. I'm guessing is one of them. What else are you just vibing on? Mm, always breath work, but taking time to spend like go on nature walks. I'm in mm -hmm. Austin right now. And I just love going down to Barton Creek and walking the green belt, um, and spending time just like in complete silence surrounded by trees. It's so healing for the nervous system. So that's been like my main self-care experience that I've been creating for myself. It's such a, I mean, I don't, I was not somebody who like, I'd always sort of laugh at the people that would just like, you know, like they're power walking when we were younger, like, wow, the, you know, that seems like an interesting workout. And now I'm like, oh, I get it. I get yeah, it. It's so <laughs> nice. It's so nice. Yeah. Especially in Austin. Like I grew up in Southern California. And so every single trail you go out on is like 
hundreds of people and it's like not therapeutic at all. Yeah. It's like people with self, like taking selfies and stuff. And it's like a fashion show on the, <laughs> on in Runyon Canyon. Um, oh yeah. I've done that. <laughs> yeah. And so being out in Austin is really nice. Cause you can go out on a trail and not see anybody for like hours and it's just so quiet and so serene. So I definitely highly recommend if you have any close trails nearby to get some time outside. Totally. Yeah. That's super helpful. Oh, Ava, this was so fun. I really enjoy your work and I'm excited to hear about just all the cool things that you're doing over you know, the next several seasons of life. Can you just tell listeners where to find you, where to listen to your podcast, all the good details? Yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been so fun. Um, so my podcast is called The Alchemized Life. You can listen to it wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, my Instagram is at Ava Johanna. We actually also just started a Instagram for the Academy of Breath. It's at Breathwork Certification, and that's going to have a lot of breathwork resources and free, um, free tutorials and stuff like that if you want to get your hands on some breath. And then um, academyofbreath.org is our website. Thanks so much for tuning in, everyone. Thanks to Ava for sharing your wisdom, your expertise on breathwork, on embodiment. Make sure to check out more information on Ava in the show notes. And if you enjoyed this episode, consider sharing it with a friend, maybe on Instagram. You can follow us at Yoga Magic Podcast, and I'm at Ashley.Sondergaard. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week.